0: Welcome to the Sunday service podcast of First Universalist Church, a Unitarian Universalist congregation located in Minneapolis, Minnesota. We are a radically welcoming and progressive religious community deeply committed to love, justice, spiritual growth, and living out our values in the world. To learn more, visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org. Good morning. morning. Hey, way to go on Daylight Savings Time. Nice job making it here. (laughs) I feel like we need, like, applause for ourselves every day for the week as we get here on time, wherever we're headed. So good morning. My name's Jen Crow. I'm one of your ministers here at First Universalist Church, and it is so good to be here in person, here with you online, here if you're joining us, listening throughout the week. It is good to be together in all the ways that we can be. There are a lot of different ways to get connected here at church, and we want to make sure that everybody knows whatever they need to know in order to plug in here. So best way to do that is to sign up for our newsletter. So head to our website, sign on up, and then you'll hear all the information about what's happening throughout the week. Another great way to be involved is to be a part of the art that is here at this church. You can do this in a couple of ways. We have the Universal Gallery downstairs in the social hall. Take a look at the art exhibit that is happening down there. And if you, whether you're joining us in person or online, you may have received a ribbon like this in the mail this week, and if you didn't, we have plenty of them up here. Now, these ribbons, we're asking you to put a word or a phrase of something you hope for in our community. To go ahead and write that on the ribbon, turn them in, in the basket. You can do it this week, next week. There's a basket down in the social hall. Put a word of your hope or aspiration on these ribbons, and the visual arts team will weave these together into a tangible expression of our hopes of who we can be as a community. So it's a beautiful way to be a part of the beauty that is around us here. If you are ready for deeper involvement at church and leadership feels like the right next move for you, the nominating committee is welcoming applications to serve the church on the nominating committee, the First Universalist Foundation Board, and the Board of Trustees. So, position descriptions and applications are available on the church website, and applications for these positions are due on March 18th. You're all invited to check those out. Now, I think probably as just about everybody knows, Minneapolis educators are on strike. They are seeking fair compensation, mental health support for students, real commitment to hiring and retention of educators of color and smaller class sizes for students. First Universalist is here to support those who are most impacted with funds for, to support striking educators whose pay is impact and also, also with Strike Camp, so you may have heard about this last week, yes, for Strike Camp. So what this is is childcare here at church for kids in kindergarten through sixth grade. We offered it every day last week, and this coming week, Strike Camp will be offered Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. So if you want to sign up for your kids, please head to the website, fill out the form, bring your kids on in. We'd love to have them. We're having a, I'm having a blast seeing everybody around the building and uh, jumping in for games. Now. Strike Camp is just one example of the awesomeness of our very own Lauren Wyeth. So, who's trying to hide right completely behind me. Um, You wanna come over? (laughs) So Lauren has been serving as our Director of Children, Youth and Family Ministries for 10 years. And, right? We are the luckiest, and we are luckier still because now she is moving into a new role, Director of Spiritual Growth for All Ages. So she will now be there for all of us, designing and putting in place opportunities for learning and growth and spiritual practice in responsive environments of deep care for all of us. So today we are celebrating 10 years of Lauren's ministry with us and with a gift of flowers, of cake and coffee downstairs in the social hall after the service. And there is an opportunity for you to add to your thoughts and and, uh, share your appreciation for Lauren. So down in the social hall, or you can type it into the chat if you're joining us online, a word or a phrase of appreciation, of gratitude, of celebration for Lauren. Downstairs in the social hall, there are post-it notes. You can write those words or phrases on and stick them up on the trifold board, and we'll add what gets written in the chat there, too, so you can have a giant card because what is more church than giant cards and cake? So (laughs) just to give you some ideas of what other people might put on those uh, post-it notes, I want to just share a few of the gratitudes and appreciations that members of the Parents and Caregivers of Little Ones group shared about Lauren this past week. So they made up a top 10 list of reasons they love Lauren. It's a pretty awesome list. I'm not going to share all 10 of them with you, but we'll start with number 10. Lauren is an emotional psychic. Mm -hmm. This is true if you spent time with her. She knows what we, our children, our community needs often before we, before we even know how to ask for it. And she is, hands down, the coolest person we know. <laughs> Number nine, she allows us to be fully human and acknowledges that parenting is not, and it's not intended to be, a 100% perfection game. Number eight, she fosters an environment where we can show up as our authentic selves and feel heard, seen, and accepted. Seven. Seven. She is deeply empathic and helps us reconnect with the parents we want to be and center ourselves spiritually. It goes on and on with these true things about Lauren. Most of all, filled up with how she helps others be more whole in the world and live into the people they want to be. So we appreciate you so much, and we look forward to continuing to celebrate with you this morning. So as we begin, let's take a moment to center ourselves, to arrive fully here in this time and place wherever we are. For me, I am noticing my feet on the floor. I am noticing where my hands are. Taking a moment to feel the weight and presence of my body. And then if you'd like, can join me for three on-purpose breaths, with a breath in and a breath out. Breath in and a breath out. One more at your own pace. Breath in, breath out. And let's light our chalice together. Please join in saying these words if you know them. Please let them wash over you as we say. Love is the spirit of this church and service is its law. This is our great covenant to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in love, and to help one another. And throughout this morning's service... We're going to hear from different members of our church community of all ages because we are a multi-generational community of faith, and I am delighted that we will hear first from Liv. A
1: little nervous here. Okay. So, thank you. So, um, I've gone to this church since I was a baby, so a very long time. My life has changed a lot since then. Um, I'm about to graduate high school, and just a few years ago, a few weeks ago, I was a full-fledged legal adult. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm really excited about what lies ahead, but it's impossible to get to this point and kind of marvel at it all without also reflecting on what it took to get here. I've been reflecting a lot lately on how many times I reminded myself, hey, school is bearable because church is still here. See, when I was in grade school and middle school, I ended up moving schools a lot. And I learned just recently that it's actually a very common thing for people with undiagnosed dyslexia to to do that. Each time I would tell myself, hey, this will work out. New school, new friends, yay. Um, But that's not how it worked. The other students my age were already friends with each other, and I was just that new outsider. But on top of all of that, because I spent all my energy trying to hide my reading disability, what I always ended up realizing was as long as I kept everything verbal, I could pass for a good student a great student even, but um, how long can a child successfully wear a mask at school? Eventually, you do have to read, you know, the written words. And of course, as people would realize how badly I did that, my carefully constructed act would crumble. My mask would fall away and I'd feel so exposed, like such an imposter. Every single day at school was a day of being alone and in a building filled with other kids with my forced smile and my fake confidence and the bravado that kept keeping, kept getting harder and harder to prop up. Um, There was a couple of years, uh, entire school years in fact, where I had no one I knew and definitely no one knew me and no one really wanted to talk to me. So from the minute I walked into that school until the minute I walked out, home, biking, karate, church, that was my usual place of refuge. Now, I'm not saying that my church life was always smooth or without the bumps and disappointments. Sometimes I wouldn't even want to come to church. But on those mornings, my mom would remind me That the church community I had chosen, and she was pretty sure I'd have a better week if I stuck with my community. And she'd brush my hair and drive me to school, a church, and it was true. Church. Besides my mom and my brother, and of course our forever family friend, Marky, this church was and has always been one of the greatest constants in my life. The first time I realized how much I loved church was when Mary Bowman started the church choir, and she made every one of us kids feel so important to her and so important and valued to the church community. Then, one day in third grade, Lauren came up to me and said, so I'm starting a chalice lighting program. Would you like to be a part of it? And oh my goodness, I looked at her and I said, yes, I would love to. When I asked my mom if I could be a chalice lighter, she was so proud of me for wanting to do it. And every single Sunday, when it was my turn, she would help me get on my rainbow stall I was so proud to wear. And then she would sit in front of the pew and mouth the words, I love you, to me as I stood up and did my part. Um, She would snap so many photos and videotape me (laughs) with, you know, um, big, proud um, tears in her eyes, just like right now. Um, So here's my mom right here in the front row again. Hi, Mom. Because she treated my chalice sliding as so important. It was then very important for me, too. And when I graduated from being a chalice lighter to being a chalice reader, I memorized the words so I'd never worry about misreading them. And I spent the whole week beforehand whispering word after word to myself to make sure I wouldn't forget anything. My church, our church, my love for this church has grown bigger over the years. So when I was asked to write this message, I was especially happy because speaking here as I stand right at the threshold of so many childhood memories and so much excitement about what's to come next, I almost can't believe I have the chance to stand up here and look at you all and say this. Thank you my, for my, my church community for being here. Thank you for helping me feel like I'm a part of something bigger, especially during those years where I felt so small at school. And I would like to end this just as I started my journey on this chancel with these words. Love is the spirit of this church and service is its law. This is our great covenant to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in love, and to help one another. Thank you.
0: Thanks. Thanks so much. much, Liv. We're going to transition ourselves into story time. So uh, we can take that awesome message, and we can loosen up a little bit I have to put on my hat. Hold on. Um, I'm wondering if we have any volunteers who might want to participate in the story. Come on up. Come on up. You'll need a hat if you're willing. Um, and your main job will be, yeah, come on. Anybody who wants to, come on up. Grab a hat. Um thank you. Thank you, thank you, yes. All right, let's do it. All right, so uh, my my story helpers here. Perfect number. Do we have one more, Arif? We, we have one more. Oh, we have even more. Okay, here's the thing: you don't have to have a hat for this to work. It works super good without one. So All right, all my acorn friends, I want you to embody being an acorn. Can you feel yourself as an acorn? You've got your cool hat. You've got your hard shell. we got sunglasses. Um, All right, your job is to bustle. Do you know what bustling is? Okay, you have to act very busy and march around and do that right in front of the chancel. Can we do it? All right, bustlers down on the floor, all the bustlers. Okay, very important, very important. I'm gonna get myself into character here. Good afternoon, people. My name is Nuttalie Acorn, and we are coming to you live this week from Spiffenshine, Acornopolis's premier location for the waxing, toning, and washing of our shells. Now, I'll tell you, this place is a hotbed of conversation and community today because everyone is coming in to get a new coat of wax applied. Waxing, waxing our shells, toning our shells keeping ourselves looking exactly the way we are. Everyone is coming in for that because last week this strange acorn landed in our town and proclaimed that we are that. What is up there, you say? An oak tree, a towering oak tree. And this tippy-hatted stranger says that we all can become that. Now, we know this is ridiculous, of course. How could that possibly happen? And this acorn goes on to say, the way it happens is we go deep underground, and we allow our shells to crack open, and our hats to pop off. Unbelievable. So, as you could expect, Spiff and Shine is especially busy this week offering its brand-new service of a full-body lacquer. We here at Spiff and Shine now just really want to glue those caps on, cover our shells in a hard plastic exterior so they can never crack. Thanks for coming in for that, folks. I've noticed you all here at Spiff and Shine, but something else is happening. Oh, Acorn, where are you headed? I really don't have
2: time to talk to you. right
0: now. No, no, I've noticed the steady stream of acorns slipping in the back door of Spiff and Shine. Um, excuse me, can you please tell us what's happening? I mean, we the people need to know.
1: Dude, I have places to be. I don't want to talk to you, and I'm not going to talk to you.
0: Have a good day. Hmm. Well, I'll tell you, I'm even more interested now to know what's going on back here. Mm-hmm. Hello. Um. Um. Hello. I. Uh. Let's come out here, if you would. Come. Come on out. Come out into the open. Oh, folks, what exactly is going on back there behind Spiff and Shine?
3: Nothing. Nothing, nothing at all.
0: Really, I've seen a strange number of people—acorns, that is—filing into this behind the shop place.
3: Um, well, um, uh, Well, okay, for the record, on the record, the truth is, you know, a lot of us want to keep this private, but I think it's time to just speak up and come out, and I just want you to know that I've been helping my fellow acorns for years, sealing up those cracks that sometimes show up in our caps, and super gluing them back down, and trimming off these sprouts that seem to come out. Oh, and I've been doing it quietly and just promising everyone that nobody will know when they can get back to life in the big city and we'll just take care of things really discreetly. But, you know, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, ever since that acorn showed up last week, yeah, yeah, that guy, I, I, I've been wondering, I, I have to admit, whether maybe he's onto something. Maybe we are supposed to crack open and become something bigger. And if I'm honest, I've been questioning my, my whole life's work. I've been, I've been wondering, what if I stopped trimming those sprouts and just, just let them grow, just let them show, just let it out. And maybe we could become, we could become that. I've been wondering about it, and I'm not the only one in fact, I don't know how are you all feeling. I think if we just maybe just admitted what was going on and we we all admitted it together and we stuck together we might we might actually make a difference we might be able to uh live a little bit more free and stand a little bit more tall and i i don't, we might find that those sprouts that are coming out actually have some value that maybe some of the things we're dreaming of are trying to trying to take root or trying to grow like some of these even have words on them they're they're very beautiful like uh what does yours say here we've got hope hope and community do we want to cut that off i mean i've been wondering and over here we've got we've got second chances we've got truth and oh my gosh of course we have music. So, I don't know, maybe we ought to let them stay. That's what I've been thinking. That's the truth.
0: Well, here you have it, live from Acornopolis. Tune in next week to find out what happens next in a city in turmoil.
1: I wish for you to be free from doubt. When you feel left behind or left out, when the world seems
4: Church crying moments. I've known Liv since she was little, since they were little. My daughter has fallen asleep to Ellis's music almost every night for the last many, many years. You know, each week when we gather, we make time to expand the care of this congregation. We make time to intentionally check in with our internal alignment. As priest and theologian Richard Rohr says, religion is about opening our hearts, opening our minds, and opening our bodies so that we can be fully open to the present fully open in our presence to ourselves and each other and ready to carry our experience of the holy out into the wider world. So let's check in. Let's see how we are aligned. Opening a little more, perhaps, as we get lined up. As... Beyonce says, as we get information. So I invite you to notice where your mind is at. It might be full of thinking. It might be chewing on some metaphors in the story and the lyrics you heard. Might be assembling your weekly meal plan and shopping list. Whatever it is doing, whatever it's doing, know that it's good. Smile to your mind. Thank it for what it does. And invite it to relax just a little. The more open our minds are, the more we can rest in this bigger awareness. An awareness that doesn't require either or, that doesn't hold tightly to one perspective. The more open our minds are, the more we can rest in a bigger idea of who we are together. And now I invite you to notice where your heart is. It might be feeling contentment. It might be full of grief. It might be angry from some fight or slight this morning or earlier in the week. Whatever it is doing, know that it is good. Smile to your heart. Thank it for what it feels. The more open our hearts are, the more our compassion is kindled. Calling gentleness for ourselves and therefore for everyone we meet. As our hearts grow more open, so too does our experience of being part of the one heart of the world. Notice where your body is. This world can be so hard on our bodies and they carry so much tension. So allow your shoulders to drop. Let your stomach relax. If it feels comfortable, let your energetic body spread out and take up a little more space. As our bodies open, we are more able to flow with what life throws our way, less needing to make things a fight, more able to allow the energy to move through us, knowing that most things aren't truly ours to carry. As our bodies open, we are ever more able to act as a bigger we, breathing and moving together as we make real what we long for in our hearts. And here in this place of openness, in this place of feeling connected to this bigger knowing of being together, this bigger knowing of being one strong body, I invite you to name aloud, to hold in your hearts, to name in the chat what you would like to lift up and worship today, what you would like held in this sanctuary. And with all this in our hearts, with a circle drawn wider and wider still, we pray that the grip of addiction be loosened, that the weight of oppression be lightened, that truth be told, that joy break through, and that love make every suffering bearable for us all. Amen. Amen. you. Mm-hmm.
0: As Unitarian Universalists, we believe that spiritual growth happens in all stages of life, that all of us have gifts to bring, and we all have growing to do. We believe that we are born whole and holy and worthy, and that revelation is not sealed. And by that, we mean that what is important and holy and sacred is not trapped in one book from one time only. But rather, all of our learning, all of our experiences, so many sources bring us gifts of the holy. Our life experiences change us. What we learn changes us. And so our faith changes, too. That is part of who we are. So it is a special joy to hear from folks from different identities, different stages in life today because we are all growing, each of us a part of different communities here in this bigger community. I have been enjoying one particular phrase this week that's just been repeating itself in my head. It comes from Anais Nin, and the sentence is this. Perfection is static. I am in full progress perfection is static, I am in full progress. So I invite us into a life of full progress. And I invite Todd to come up and share a bit of his experience
5: with us. Good morning. My name's Todd Pearson. Um, my wife, Beth Schepler, and I joined this church in 1991, when we were just beginning our family. In those early years, Beth and I taught in the RE classes our two boys attended, and enjoyed community with parents and kids in RE. I was teaching fifth and sixth grade in Minneapolis public schools, and Beth was freelancing from home. The world came crashing in on 9-11. The subsequent US instigated wars and inept national leadership shook me to my core. I turned to our First U community to help center my grief and anger. The the Obama years provided me a sense of hope for our country, but that turned very dark with his successor. The election of our former president in 2016 compelled me to find ways that I could take action. I was witnessing our country cracking open with hatred, and our planet's environment under direct attack. Our world was rapidly approaching multiple tipping points, accelerated glacial melt, rapidly heating oceans causing massive coral reef die-off, thawing peatlands, releasing alarming quantities of methane gas propelling the atmosphere to catastrophic levels of greenhouse gases. But what could I do to make a difference? Over the years, I participated in EcoMinds, a predecessor of our current environmental justice team. So it was natural for me to turn to this group. It took some time, but I finally decided to jump in and utilize my skills to help the EJ team promote its activities and actions with newsletters and flyers. Perhaps more importantly, I found like souls at church who were passionate about making change to preserve our fragile world. That was three years ago. The world is now more than ever facing a climate crisis. Major changes need to happen in the next eight years to avert cascading environmental catastrophes. One would think I'm in a pretty dark place again, but in truth, I feel hopeful in large part because of the EJ team's tireless efforts to promote environmental solutions and to support and the support they provide, we provide each other. I feel hopeful as our food solutions team shows way to make a difference in the world through everyday choices and what we eat. I'm encouraged by our embrace of the sacredness of water and our allegiance with the leadership of native peoples. I'm heartened by our church's moves to be a net zero church starting with the installation of solar panels on our RE wing. And I'm empowered by our plans for Earth Week 2022, with activities culminating in our May 1st Sunday service and celebration in the social hall. We will have our first-ever Electric Saturday on April 30th, with congregants showcasing their electric cars in our parking lot and an exploration of all things electric. In addition, I'm excited to be pulling together a presentation by BIPOC leaders outlining environmental and racial justice issues on the north side where I've lived for 45 years. In so many ways, my involvement with our first UEJ team has been my salvation through COVID. It has kept me active in a time of isolation and connected with community. Thank you.
0: Thanks so much, Todd. Next, we're going to hear from Claire Trolley. We're going to hear from her on video. So we hear from her on video because uh, you might know that Claire is our lead Our Whole Lives teacher uh, for teens. And so as usual, or maybe as as often, is teaching double uh, this Sunday morning at the 9 and 11 o'clock. So if we're ready, we can hear from Claire.
2: Good morning. I'm Claire Trolley. Do you know how many people and machines can fit into a hospital elevator? Five adults, one baby, three machines, an IV stand, a stretcher, and an emergency paramedic bag can fit into an elevator. I know this because the staff at Children's Hospital deemed all of this necessary to transport my son just four short floors from the emergency room to the pediatric ICU. This would be only the start of my understanding on how sick my baby truly was. I will never forget the feeling of seeing him attached to several machines, helping him to breathe and get healthy once again. It was soul crushing. Two days later, while still in the pediatric ICU and still hooked up to several machines, Lauren and Reverend Ruth came and saved me while our medical team saved our son. They were my life raft in an ocean of loneliness that can be extended hospital stays. This wouldn't be the first time a member of First Universalist would save me. You see, when caring for somebody with chronic medical needs, it's not the initial hospitalization that wears you down. Of course that's difficult and draining, but it's the after and in-between care that is most depleting. Following up with all of the all adjust appointments, urology, nephrology, endocrinology, make this one two weeks out. one one month out. This one before that one. This specialist only sees patients at that clinic. That one only sees patients on Wednesdays. Dealing with administering new medications, negotiating with health insurance, learning how, and then educating others on how to care for your kid. The exhaustion, the fear, the resolve. It was in those times that Liz and Rochelle and Sarah and so many others stepped in and fed my family with meal trains. Those meals fed my family when we were playing well. We were playing tag with hospital care and home care. There is a special love of someone who remembers the older sibling on a meal train with donuts just for them. A visit with Reverend Justin or a phone call with Reverend Reef after a long day in the hospital can reignite the flame in your heart. There's nothing quite as powerful as sharing your grief and worry with another as they hold you with unconditional love. Those formal types of support are incredible, but equally as incredible are the more informal types of support that come in the form of text messages, memes, and stories of solidarity from fellow parents. Not everyone can appreciate a picture of your baby eating old food with hair on it or swap potty training tips with humor and love. Our small group of caregivers engaging in the spiritual practice of parenting in a pandemic, no less, can be just the boost we need to get through another bedtime routine. I am so thankful for a community where I can share my now four-year-old who loves to mansplain everything from dinosaurs to directions. I do not take for granted one single, well, actually, mom. First Universalist has sustained our family through three surgeries, five hospitalizations, and a whole lot of tears and worries in between. As we gear up for another surgery later this year, I expect we'll receive more love all over again. My family's story is unique. Our experience is not. This community has nourished our bellies and souls many times since that fateful elevator ride in 2018. The love and support this community shares has shown me no one can do this on their own. The only way through is with community. Thank you.
4: Friends, this is what community looks like. Take a look around if you haven't already. Take a look around you. This is what community looks like. The everyday simple acts of caring for each other, of loving our young ones up into powerful human beings that are going out to take over the world, Holding the older amongst us through the many, many challenges that life brings. Knowing that together we can hold everything. That together we have all of what we need. That together we are in this dance, not of perfection but of being in full progress. This is what community looks like. And one of the things that we do as community is share in our resources. This morning, our offering goes to support the Unitarian Universalist Service Committee's Fund for Ukraine Relief. UUSC is a Unitarian Universalist organization that partners with trusted organizations on the ground to make sure that funds go to where they are most needed to support those most impacted. And so we invite you this morning to be as generous as you're able.
0: Let us remember that we are loved exactly as we are, born whole and holy and worthy and in full progress. May we know we are loved and may we share that love with the world. Amen.
2: Love, ordinary love.
4: Love.
1: This is the time of our lives. We are watching the tide come in and go out again, love. It's such a beautiful night, walking here by your side. Oh, there's nothing
4: else I'd rather.